but realize that they are able to bring you into salvation. Just because you know a bit of the Bible growing up as a child does not mean that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, nor that you are saved. Each one of us have to come to that place where we ask Christ into our heart that we might be saved. But it is good to get God's word into our hearts. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. I did 1st and 2nd Corinthians fairly early here at the church, so it's been a while, and I've been trying to kind of go back and get some of those earlier books as we've looked at the book of Romans and 1st Corinthians now and getting into 2nd Corinthians, we find that life can be troubling sometimes. I forgot to upload my sermon. Give me a second. Here's the troubles. (laughs) Technology. But it should be right here. If I can get it to work right. Or maybe I didn't at all. How frightening is that? Oh, well, I still enjoy the teaching of God's word. Now I get to do it cold turkey. (laughs) I do have my points, and that's very helpful for us. And so today we're going to look at 2 Corinthians. And and what I'm going to do, I had a pretty elaborate introduction written that really rehearsed Paul um, and his ministry with 2 Corinthians. There's no way that I'll be able to recall all of that, and so I'll just save that till next week, but I can teach through the remainder of it, apart from that introduction that I put together. We find that Paul had a heart, and and Kevin called me yesterday and asked for kind of an overriding theme of 2 Corinthians. How about a theme for 2 Corinthians? Like, well, I haven't really thought of that. That's kind of a new thing. You got to have a theme for the overall book. You used to not have to have that when I started teaching, but now you have to have it because you got to post on Facebook. You got to do all those things. And I said, well, I really, I I don't know. I can't think of anything. And and then I said, well, if I were to think about it, I, I would put it down as the heart of a pastor. So Kevin said, good enough. Let's put that down, the heart of a pastor. And the reason I said that is because Paul had just written here, a letter to 1 Corinthians, and he is anticipating their response. And he writes a second letter, even before he knows exactly what's going on, but he's worried. 
He's worried about how they might have received letter number one. And he sends a second letter. And really, in this letter, he shares his heart, the heart of a pastor to the congregation. He spent, according to the book of Acts, he spent a year and a half in Corinth ministering to the churches there. And from there, well, the word of God spread throughout that area. And so God used Paul greatly there in Corinth. But Corinth had some issues going on. Corinthian believers, they started to struggle with faith and how they conducted themselves in the world. Corinthian believers were being taught by false teachers that Paul was not an apostle and that he should not even call himself an apostle. And he begins the very first words that he has to the church in 2 Corinthians is Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He begins with those words because they were contending against his apostleship. And yet he and his ministry team of Silas and Timothy and Luke being along with them at that time, that as they ministered to the Corinthians, they had the love of their pastor, their evangelist who came and presented the gospel to them. But now they're questioning that love. And Paul just kind of lays out his heart. But also the issue of faith. And today what I love about this passage, because he talks about that of there's two trifecta points that we have. I don't know if that's proper, but in two sections, point two and three for us, we find that he speaks about comfort of past, present, and future, and deliverance in point three of uh, deliverance of past, present, and future. And so he's talking about the work of God in our lives as well, and how important that work is for us. And so we pick up the word of God. We look at our first point. It's Second Corinthians chapter one. I'm going to go ahead and read verses one and two to get us into our first point. I titled this a letter to the saints. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth with all the saints who are in Acacia. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, he begins by declaring Paul uh, an, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. And we talk about being an apostle here in the uh, New Testament, in the Gospels, in the New Testament church here. When we talk about referring to an apostle, when it refers to it in this sense, the Greek word apostolos means to send forth. And so if someone sends someone else to do a mission, they're been sent forth on a mission, then they are an apostle. They are representing that individual that has sent them, apostolos. When we talk about being an apostle with the 12 and including Paul, we talk about the authority that Jesus Christ gave to the 12 apostles to oversee the first century church and also in pinning much of the New Testament gospels and the epistles that we have that it was God working uniquely in these men's lives as apostles of Jesus Christ 
And it was by the will of God that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He said in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, for this very reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. My ways in Christ is by the will of God. He's operating in Christ Jesus. And Paul never forgot that. He was the gospel of Jesus Christ. He represented Jesus Christ. And I believe that we've seen too many Christians, especially Christian leaders, who have the position, the place as either in a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary who fail to represent Jesus Christ properly in their conduct in this life. And we live in a day and age that's very digital. And if you fail once, they'll pick it up and it could be around the world within a matter of hours. And we've seen that happening even this year that we have had men and women of Christ who fail to represent Christ in their conduct in this world and it has taken them out of their place, out of their ministry. We represent Jesus Christ. But what is said as a pastor, it says of any believer in Jesus Christ, we represent Christ. He speaks about Timothy, he calls him a brother. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 10, he says of this, now if Timothy comes, see that he will be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Timothy was very special person to the Apostle Paul when he ministered in Lystra and Derby. The Bible tells us that Paul took notice of Timothy. He made inquiries about this young man and the church spoke well, very highly of Timothy. And from that point forward, Timothy became part of the missionary team on that second missionary journey. Later on, when Paul would write to Timothy, in 1 Timothy, he would speak of Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 2, saying, My true son in the faith. He had held quite an endearment to Timothy himself in that introduction of 1 Timothy, my dear son in the faith. And then in 2 Timothy, Paul's last known epistle, he says to Timothy, my beloved son. So Paul would often send Timothy to do work that he himself could not do because of just maybe location or the busyness of what was going on. He would send Timothy in advance. And we learn in 1 Timothy that he sent Timothy to them, not carrying the letter, but he sent Timothy to minister to them, to remind them of the ways of Christ, that which Paul speaks, but also that they should not hinder Timothy because he held such high regard with Paul himself. And so we find the church and the saints that as they were ministering together there to the church of God at Corinth, the second half of verse one, and all the saints who are in Acacia, that they were the saints of Jesus Christ. They were receiving from the word of God as Paul again would write in 2 Timothy, and since I am going without my notes, I'm going to look up a little bit more today. I'm going to keep us on track as best I can. 
In 2 Timothy 2.15, or 3.15, Paul would say to Timothy, well, let's go back to 2.15, because I like that. He said, be diligent to present yourself approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Again, that's a good message for us today, to be diligent to present ourselves approved of God. But in 3.15, he says of Timothy that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ or faith that is in Christ Jesus. From childhood, Timothy had known the word of God. And many of you can say the very same thing. Maybe not all of us can say from childhood. I can but realize that they are able to bring you into salvation. Just because you know a bit of the Bible growing up as a child does not mean that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, nor that you are saved. Each one of us has to come to that place where we ask Christ into our hearts that we might be saved. But it is good to get God's word into our hearts. I was talking to a a neighbor and some, probably a relative, someone helping him work on his house yesterday. I walked next door to see he was waving earlier and my hands were full. So I came back out to say hello. And uh, we were talking about some of the events going on in our country today, the riots that have been taking place. And you may deem to want to call them peaceful protests if you like, but I would challenge you then to drive over to Kenosha and drive up Sheridan Road and see what peace looks like and see the 25 burned out buildings that are there in downtown Kenosha. But what I said to the men and both believers, I said, what we are seeing today is a generation that has been raised without Christ, without God. And we're seeing the outcome of that. In fact, I believe it's two generations. But we've seen the first generation of parents saying, I don't need to take my children to church And so children who have never went to church now are adults. And uh, we're seeing the violence that it's creating in our world today. But the blessing of the gospel itself is that of grace and peace. These are known as the Siamese twins of the epistles of Paul. Here in the New Testament, Paul, in his 13 epistles, he always said grace and peace to you. He may have changed up the latter half just slightly, but he always referred to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He may have in his 13 epistles worded it slightly different, but it always pointed to God. It always pointed to Jesus. It was always grace and peace. Grace and peace. Only when he wrote his pastoral epistles, which would be the epistle of Titus and that of First and Second Timothy, did he add the word mercy between Grace, mercy, and peace. He said to Titus, he said to Timothy twice, grace, mercy, and peace. I guess for some of us, we need a little bit of mercy in our lives. I know that I do. Well, grace refers to God's love and action from which true peace can come. Without the grace of God, we cannot have peace. We cannot know peace. And that grace of God has sent his only begotten son, that we might be uh, the children of God, come into a relationship with God. It is because of God's grace that we can obtain the mercy of God from which 
we find true peace. Well, we look at verses 3 through 7, and we find a word of comfort. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation, your salvation, which is effective to in enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and your salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the constellation, not the constellations, which I'm almost saying. It's actually the same Greek word, and perhaps they're trying to switch it up contextually, but comfort and consolation is the word parakletus. It's a very uh, common word here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa because you've been hearing me use that Greek word some 20 plus years now, which uh, the para means basically uh, from or with, and so it's to come alongside that Jesus, when he said, I will send you another comforter, it's the Greek word parakletus that's used here. And I, I check throughout this passage, every time it either says comforts, comfort or consolation, it's parakletus. He talks about uh, that which comes alongside, that comfort that we have from God himself. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the Father of all comfort. And we learn three things concerning God in that first verse, that God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, number one. Number two, that he is the Father of mercies. And number three, that God is the God of all comfort. Three things that Paul points out in verse 3, that God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Father of mercies, and that he is the God of all comfort. And we find in Romans 12, 1, speaking about that which the Lord does for us. Look over in Romans 12, 1 again, a little slower today. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. By the mercies of God, those mercies that the Lord has displayed toward us, we discover that God he is the father of Jesus Christ. And because of the mercies of God, he sent his only begotten son that we might find comfort in these last days. It is God, verse 4, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we might, and here's that trifecta, that threefold uh, comforting that takes place, God comforts us, that we might be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves are comforted by God. That God comforts us that we can comfort others while God is comforting us. 
at the same moment, we're being comforted by God. We've been comforted by God in times past. He's comforting us even now. But he does that, that we might be able to comfort others, that we might be able to console others in this life. And sometimes we can relate to others when we have similar issues. I was uh, emailing a pastor he actually stepped away from the ministry this beginning of this year. His wife, if I get the account right, but I just read about this on Friday, his wife now on her um, having a rare form of cancer, being uh, told that she was in remission, and then at the beginning of the year having the cancer come back, and then being told that she's in remission and just learning that the cancer is back again. And uh, so I emailed him and said that Lily and I would be praying for him and his wife. But I said, I kind of know what you're going through because Lily's had breast cancer. We've went through that. There hasn't been a recurrence like they're going through, but we have a taste of that. And so we're able to comfort. And personally, I was thinking as um, the husband he was a pastor who pastored a church for 12 years, phased out because of his, partly because of what his wife is going through. And I understand that because as a caregiver, it's exhausting when you are the caregiver with someone who is suffering and very sick. And so we're able to relate, we're able to comfort. Sometimes we connect because we've been through those situations, we've seen God work in our own lives, we're able to share and encourage others. Other times, maybe we can't connect. Maybe there's no connecting point except for our human existence, but we still have the Word of God, which we can use and present to help bring comfort in those situations. I think that the more I study, the more I read the Word of God, the more it gets into my mind, the more I am able to listen, the more I am able to discern, the more I'm able to maybe direct, point to people in the right place that I would be able to comfort. But it's always because the Lord has comforted me first. And the way the Lord comforts me is through the study and the reading of the Word of God. Just the last couple of weeks, I've heard of this survey that came out. Now, this is since 2020. For Christians, a recent survey came out they renewed that survey and they have discovered that Christians are reading their Bible less now than they were at the beginning of 2020. Talking about daily Bible reading, that Christians are reading their Bible less now than they were at the beginning of 2020. Personally, I think it's one of those years where we need to be reading more. We need to be drawing closer to the Lord this has changed our country. It's changing our culture. We're in danger like we've never been in danger before. It's getting more difficult, and the more difficult it gets, the more we need God's Word, and we need that comfort of God's Word in our lives. So as it was in verse 5, the sufferings and consolations, he says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. That it's as Christ works in us, as he, he speaks about the sufferings of Christ, 
but also that consolation, the paracletus of Christ, Christ coming alongside us. And that's the word means to come alongside, to give comfort, consolation, to come along to help someone that as that takes place, we're able to minister. He said, giving specifically connecting it to Christ, Christ working in us and Christ working through us. That's how it should be in the church, in the gospel of Jesus Christ itself. It's what Paul refers to when he talks about uh, the work of the church in our lives, but also Peter, when he talks about that sufferings of Christ in 1 Peter 4, 13, he says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings and when his glory is revealed that you may also be glad with exceeding joy that we are to rejoice in these things, that we're counted worthy of the sufferings of Christ, that we walk in such a way that it gives honor to the call of God upon our lives. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.